Well, last week we started on a message as we've been covering doctrine. We started looking at salvation. We finished God, his attributes, starting in the middle of last year. And now we're into looking at salvation. And as I said, I would have liked to have gone to Acts 16. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That question was asked of Paul and Silas there. But instead I've gone to Romans where it's explaining more the doctrine of salvation. As Paul in the middle of the the book of Romans breaks off from ministering to the Romans who were plainly Gentiles to talking to and about the Jews in chapter 9, 10 and 11. And chapter 11 is a wonderful chapter to get things in perspective as far as where the Jew stands right now. Um, <clears throat> chapter 10, where we're at, is God, is God through Paul explaining to the Jews where they went wrong. And we'll be looking at that this morning for salvation. They were trusting in, as a few of the scriptures talked about this morning, in chapter 4, we'll be going there, but in chapter 10, there it explains, they were trusting in their works. Isn't that a problem? In almost every religion around the world. It's all about works. But when you get to the Bible and explanation of salvation, it's not about works. It's about a work that has been done. The work of Christ on our behalf on the cross. And as he said when he died, the Lord Jesus, he cried, it is finished. (laughs) No more works, no more law, no more trying to keep those things. And so we'll look at that as far as we can go this morning. And you'll be turning to, if you could, to Romans chapter 10. And remember last week we looked at Paul's concern for his people. He couldn't help but talk about them. Verse 1 of chapter 9, verse 1 of chapter 10, and other verses where we see his burdened heart, his broken heart, his begging heart, his bereaved heart for them, bleeding heart, a bold heart, and a bonded heart with the believers. We looked at that last week. That's the first point where Paul said in chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Has his prayer been answered yet? No. Partially in that those people who are Jews have trusted the Lord, they are saved. Very few of them. But there's a whole lot of them. What's happening, as we say in the Middle East right now, is God waking them up. Terrible as it is, and it's going to get a lot worse, according to the Bible, where two-thirds of them eventually will die. That's, that's sad. And if Paul was here today, I'm sure he would expand on the Old Testament as far as he knew it, and he knew it well, some more things. And we'll take it from what God inspired him to write here in chapter 10 about where the Jews at. Because here, also, we are partakers of the gospel. We are saved by faith in the Lord Jesus. And uh, we have a a great advantage in that we're under grace and not under law today. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing as we look at these verses. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for inspiring the scriptures as you have and that we have these wonderful truths before us. We have how a person can be saved right in this chapter. And it's as clear and as simple 
I believe that could be put, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Lord, thank you for this. And I pray that if there's any here today that do not know you as their saviour, they might, before the end of the service, by the conviction of your spirit, be moved to believe and trust in you. Anyone listening online, that they too would believe. Lord, bless the preaching and teaching of your word. It's not me, it's not the preacher, it's the word of the living God, the Lord Jesus, who needs to be lifted up before us that we might look unto him. Thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. <coughs> so, verse 1, the concern of, all, of Paul for his people, and you find this all on, what is it, telegram? All the outlines are there. And secondly, the confusion of Israel about salvation. Verse 2 and 3, we read, for I bear them, that is the Jews, record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. <laughs> Why can't they get to the knowledge of the truth? Over in Israel now, they have heap, heaps of what we would call Bible colleges, yeshiva meetings under different rabbis all over. Thousands and thousands of students and young men are urged particularly from the Orthodox, they're made to go to those places and learn the scripture. They don't know the truth yet. <laughs> the veil is on them. But Paul said, I bear them record. They have a zeal for God. The confusion of Israel about salvation, the danger. It's religion without reality. Is that a case in the world amongst Christendom as well? Everywhere. It's religion without reality. It's fanaticism sometimes, zeal without knowledge, as the verse puts it here. Let's look at a few times where this word zeal is used in relation to Paul. Paul could say what he says here because of he'd been through it. He'd experienced this in, in Philippians. Chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. Paul's zeal as a religionist. And we read there, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath reason for which he might trust in the flesh, Paul said, I more. I can talk about this because I was there. If anyone could have confidence in doing it through the flesh, it was me. He said, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, he had his passport, <laughs> as it were, for eternity. And Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, this is concerning zeal, that's where we've gone from in Romans 10:2. persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which is in the law, well, blameless. <clears throat> Could those credentials get him to heaven? Born into the you know into the tribe of Benjamin, Judah and Benjamin, the favourite well tribes, the spiritual tribes, the southern tribes, uh, a Pharisee. What more could you get? How higher could you rise in the religion of the day? Couldn't. <clears throat> you think of people today in light. They're not Jews, but in religious circles, 
This is what they think. You know, prestige, position in the church. I've got my name on the plaque. We don't have a building plaque here or anything. We probably won't put everybody's name goes up there, you know, the famous people. But does it get them to heaven? No. You can be as religious as you want, but not make it to heaven. Zeal without knowledge. And you could say, how could Paul get to that point? That he could have zeal and persecute the church, commit Christians to death, to jail and to death, but not understand it from the Old Testament. He came, he came to understand it, but that's what he had a burden for his people for. We ought to have a burden for our relatives and friends who go to church week after week but don't get it. They don't understand it's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they immediately think it's works. You talk to an unsaved person or a religious person, it's work. It's about works, just like the Jews. Well, he had zeal as a religionist. He had zeal as a traditionalist in Galatians chapter 1 and verses 11 to 17. We read this. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not after man. For I neither received it of men, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the gospel, he's talking to these people that were slipping back under Judaism, the Galatians. He said, I've got a certification on this. I've got what I have from revelation of God, of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation, my manner of life in the times past, in the Jews' religion. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. That's a phrase we use today. Someone was wasted, they're, they're, they're put out of life, aren't they? They're, they're killed. He wasted the church and profited in the Jews' religion above many mine equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my fathers. I believe if Paul had stayed in that system and stayed a Jew and stayed in that uh, a Judaizer and a Pharisee, he would have been the top man in the job in Israel, the chief Pharisee of all of them. But when he said it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, that is, he, God knew what would happen to him, he'd get saved and get a revelation of Jesus Christ. And he called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. He wasn't one that messed around when he got the truth. <laughs> he got out and did God's business. Remember that? Whom art thou, Lord? Who, who art thou, Lord? On the road to Damascus? And the, the word come from heaven? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Who was he persecuting? The church. That's Jesus' body, you see. And... Um, <clears throat> Immediately I conferred, not with flesh and blood, I went to the business God had called me to. And he started preaching right away. You see, he knew the Bible, the Old Testament. And, and the truths of Christ in the Old Testament would have come alive to him when he got saved. And that's what happens when a person becomes a Christian. You can read the Bible and you get it. Before you're a Christian, you don't have the Holy Spirit and you don't get what it's saying. When you are a Christian, you can say amen to that. The Spirit teaches us the danger, zealous without knowledge, zeal as a religionist, zeal as a traditionalist. 
There are people around like that today in churches, aren't there? They're zealous for their religion. They're zealous for their church. But don't understand. Zealous for tradition. If you challenge them on some things that they do, but we've always done it that way. Well, why do you do it that way? We need to ask ourselves that question sometimes. Why do we do what we're doing? Is it right before the Lord? Did they do it in the early church? How did they, how did they do church in those days? And you find it in Acts chapter 2, a lot of it in verse 41, 42, there where daily they had preaching. How would you like that? <laughs> daily they broke bread. This is what they were doing early in the church. But as things went on and in the hundreds of years moved on, they met on the Sunday, didn't they? Did they meet on Saturday? Early in the church they met the Jews there in the synagogues to get a hearing as they preached the gospel. But he was not only zealous as a religionist and a traditionalist, but he was zealous as a Pharisee as well. We've already read that he's a, you know, of the, of the Pharisees. But in Acts 22 and verse 3, we read this. <clears throat> I am verily a man who was a Jew born in Tarshish, a city of Cilicia, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect, perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death. See, he persecuted Christians to death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. He didn't care who. He got these families that were Christians and committed them to prison. But notice there, he learnt under the feet of Gamaliel. And if you go back to chapter 5 of the book of Acts, you'll find there where Gamaliel said to the Pharisees and that were, that were persecuting Christians, he said, hold off. Back off, folks. This, if this is God, it'll go ahead. If it's not of God, it'll, it'll, fall, it'll fall flat on its face as other people. And he used an example of others that had tried to start a movement. I wonder if Gamaliel got saved <laughs> because he's, he's hinting at that and Paul learnt from him. And maybe he learnt a bit of grace from Gamaliel who was te his teacher, Paul's teacher. But here at the feet of Gamaliel, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and you read right down as he persecuted the church of God <clears throat> in verse 5, as also the high priest doth bear me witness and all the estate of the elders from whom I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them who were there bound to Jerusalem to be punished. <clears throat> it came to pass that I, as I made my journey, there come a light from heaven at noonday. And that's where he got saved. He's sharing his testimony here, how he become a Christian. He was zealous, but he was zealous in the wrong way. <clears throat> Just think of some zealous people today. Are there some zealous people in Gaza today? There were. There was more of them a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Are they zealous all around the world? Yeah. There's some zealous people in our country. I haven't had them on your door. And JWs. Have you gone knocking on doors? As a Christian, have you knocked on the door? They're zealous, but not according to knowledge. 
They don't know the truth. They're teaching error. The danger is that we can fall into the same trap. There's, there's zealous people in liberal circles. I remember, I think it was Don Jennings about 50 years ago saying in a sermon in Sydney, <clears throat> he said he, he went to a fate that a church was holding. He was there looking over the table and he said all these nice ladies, elderly ladies all there. And, and they, he, he, he said, uh, which one of you was saved? What does that mean? <laughs> and then he started expounding the gospel to them and he said they'd become from nice little ladies to people that were, ladies that want to jump and get a hold of him for telling them that they were sinners <laughs> and they needed salvation. You see, they have a zeal. They are doing the, the, the fate, the fate of the church. <laughs> but they don't know the gospel. They don't know Jesus Christ. What a terrible thing it will be. As Jesus said, when people get to heaven, Lord, Lord, we have done this, cast out demons, done many wonderful works. And Jesus said at the conclusion of that, what did he say? I never knew you because they never knew him. They never trusted the Lord Jesus as their saviour. Oh, what a danger to go all through life and go out the other end without being saved but in church all your life. We need to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. That's what the Bible says. That we're not doing it to please God and to earn salvation. We're doing what we do because we are saved as Christians. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen said this before he got stoned to death in Acts 7 verse 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, circumcised in the flesh but not in the heart, and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them who showed before the coming of the just one, Jesus Christ, of whom ye have now been the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it? So Stephen was certainly telling them some truths, some home truths they didn't like. And when they heard these things in verse 54, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Wasn't a pretty picture. These so said righteous people would gnash on him who told them the truth with their teeth. Persecutors, as Paul was, and we won't look at that one, as zealous in persecuting the church, Acts 8. Verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> so, you can have fanatics that will kill in the name of Allah and they don't care if they die as a suicide bomber because they've been promised 70 brides when they get to heaven. They get 70 trillion years and further in judgment in hell, not in heaven. No brides welcoming them there. Zeal, zeal without knowledge. You can hear them say what they say. You can see their reasoning, but it's wrong. It's not biblical. It's not truth. 
Oh, I pray that we're not there. But there is also not only fanaticism, but this dead orthodoxy. That's knowledge without zeal. It's in the head, but it's not in the heart. It's a coldness. A coldness. It's a coldness like in the church at Laodicea, mentioned in Revelation, the last verses of chapter 3. And um, John said, I would that you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. Lukewarm is going on to cold, isn't it? They have a knowledge without zeal. And we could fall into that category, folks. We can have knowledge about the Bible. We can quote verses. We could be, as it were, a student of the word, but we've got a head knowledge and not a heart knowledge. Fanaticism, zeal without knowledge. Dead orthodoxy, knowledge without zeal. Head and not the heart. So that's the danger. Back to Romans. You see, we're not going to get through all these verses this morning. They being ignorant of, oh, oh, back up to verse 2, for I bear them record, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Then verse 3, for I bear they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. The deception, they being ignorant. You know, <clears throat> an unsafe person is ignorant of the truth. Christians can be ignorant of the truth too and not walking as they ought to be walking. So there's a deception here. They, the Jew, being ignorant of how to get righteousness. And this is what it says right in that verse there. Were, were they living righteously? What did Paul say when he was a Pharisee, a religionist? We've looked at those verses. You know, blameless. That's the word he used, blameless. He could say, well, he's a righteous person. Yeah, but what sort of righteousness did he have? It was a works righteousness. That's not what the Christian has. The Christian has an imputed righteousness, something that's gift, given to him as a gift by God when he believes. And that's a, lot of, a great difference, an eternity of difference. They being ignorant. I pray that you're not ignorant today. That you're not, well, I'm a Christian. I was raised in a Christian family. My heritage is Christian. I can go back five generations and they were Christians. So I must be a Christian. I was born a Christian. You know, if you ask a person if they're a Christian and they go, yep, uh, my family was, I am. No, <laughs> straight away, you don't have to say anything. You just know they're not saved and they're not a Christian. It's a personal thing, isn't it? When you get to that age of accountability and understanding. So the deception of the Jews was they were trying to attain God's righteousness through works. And it's not that way. It's imputed righteousness. <clears throat> You ask a Catholic priest about works in relation to eternity and salvation. What will he tell you? Ask him how to get to heaven and he'll, well, you've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. <laughs> no, you have to, Christian, you have to, or individual, unsaved person, you have to believe what has been done. The Lord Jesus has done what he's done for you and me. His blood has been shed for our salvation. <clears throat> we need to trust in the Lord's work and not our own. This is where our reading from this morning comes in, in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, you might turn there, we've got about eight verses to read. The ones that were read earlier, what shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh? 
have found. If Abraham were justified by works, he has something of which to glory, but not before God. How long before the law was given did Abraham live? How many years was it that Abraham lived before the law at Mount Sinai was given? You sort of can think in 400s, but a little bit more than 400. For about 460 years before the law was given, Abraham lived. So he wasn't trying to keep the law for works, but at that time there were people probably that believed that we could, they could work their way to heaven. They could work their way to please God. But not before God, it says in verse 2, what saith the scripture? Back to the book. Abraham believed God and it was counted or imputed unto him for righteousness. As he took Isaac up to Mount Moriah under the Temple Mount, uh, on the Temple Mount, they say that rock is under the mosque there. As he took him there and was about to slay him, he was willing to go all the way, accounting that God was able to raise his son up again from the dead. And God said, stop, <laughs> I know you believe. You are doing something. Now, it's not for salvation, but he was going all the way to what God had commanded him to do. And he believed God. He believed God before that when he was an Ur of the Chaldeans. God said, leave and go to the land I'll show you. And he took off with his, with his Lotten and, um, and the others <laughs> up to Haran. And he stayed there and, until... <clears throat> He could move on from family, move over the Euphrates River and go down to the promised land. And there, he was believing God. As I've said before, would you pack up and leave a civilization that was comfortable to live in and go and live in a desert in a tent with your wife? Would your wife let you? <laughs> I mean, who want to do that? <laughs> I mean, over there, if you've been over there, if it's as dry as a is now then, it would have been a pretty tough life to live there. <clears throat> no, he trusted the Lord and it was imputed to him for righteousness. He believed. Folks, it is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ thou shalt be saved. This is salvation, by believing. The Jews were ignorant of this way. They are trying to work and as I say today, religions everywhere are works salvation. If, okay, a Jehovah's Witness, it used to be, I don't know if they still say it, to get into the, to, to be part of the 144,000 that they, they say they are, what did they have to do? <laughs> work, work, work. And uh, the thing is, more and more of them would work, 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 and they have to work, work, work harder <laughs> because if they're not the one on top of the pile, and doing the most works, they're not going to get there. Hey, Christian, no. Rest in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Romans talks about the rest of the people of God. They come to him by faith and believe. <clears throat> we can read down on those verses. Not only Abraham, in verse 4 it reads, Now to him that worketh is reward reckoned not reckoned of grace but of debt in other words God owes you if you work your way to heaven and God will not be any man's debtor but to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly his faith is counted 
for righteousness. God gives you his righteousness as you believe on what he has done. And it's not a works righteousness at all. And then he used the example of David. Well, how far were David and Abraham apart in years? It's hard. I've got it written down, I know. <laughs> it's about 900 years or more. 900 years. David lived after the law was given by about 400 and something years. So one was without law, one was had the law that was given. The law was given when they came out of Egypt, remember, on Mount Sinai. As David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without, without works. Have you got imputed righteousness? Has God put to your account Christ's righteousness? Because that's the only way you'll get to heaven. Have you believed? It's not, believing is not a work. It's believing what's been done already. The work's been finished. So you've got the, two, the deception for they being ignorant. Let's not be ignorant of the way to gain righteousness before God by faith. The delusion is given in verse 3. They being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. Going about. <laughs> a lot of people going about doing religious things today. A lot, a lot of people went about yesterday, Seventh-day Adventists, going about doing religious things. Is that going to get them to heaven? I think by now you should say no. The Jewish system was one of doing. After they came back from the Babylonian captivity and <coughs> they wrote up all their laws, 600 and something of them, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and when the disciples were plucking ears of grain on the Sabbath and they were, yeah, they were hungry, they were, you know, here's, a, here's a bit of wheat and rub it out, you know how you get it out, and, and eating the... And what would the Pharisees say? How dare you do any work? Rub it out. What did the Lord say? If you've got an animal in a pit on, and it's on Saturday, what will you do, he said to the Pharisees? You'll go and get it out. <laughs> but you're not letting people be delivered. <clears throat> oh, the laws we can make for people to enter into eternity when God has made it, and we won't get to it today. Verse 9 to 13, so simple as it is. Going about. I pray, I pray that you're not going about, trying to keep a law to get to heaven. <clears throat> God's way is one of believing through grace. As the Bible says in Galatians 3.24, the law is our what? Schoolmaster. I think the one that I remember in my head, my schoolmaster, grade six, Mr. MacDonald. I wonder if he's related to you. <laughs> but he was one of those strict old teachers. He had his three-foot ruler about that wide and it was used for more than ruling <laughs> and it was you know you don't misbehave in his class and I've told you the story about me breaking my finger and, and he really he said what's all that scrawly writing I was trying to write with my left hand it was in plaster and he was getting you know no mercy <laughs> no grace and he was a schoolmaster and I refused to go to school there were six of us, and I said, no, I'm not going. He, 
he's mean. Until Dad went and told Mr McDonald, <laughs> he corrected him, and then it was all good. He was, I was the favourite student after that. I don't know what Dad said. <laughs> but the Lord <laughs> spoke to the law, fulfilled it in what he did, and now it's by grace. A total different approach. We have a friendly face as we go to the Lord Jesus to receive us into his church. It was our schoolmaster to bring us under Christ. And so we see the delusion, the danger, the deception. And, and now the def defiance in verse 3. <clears throat> being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of Christ. If you go to Romans chapter 3, <clears throat> Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 30, <clears throat> explaining this, have you submitted yourselves to the righteousness of Christ? The Jews had not. And here in these verses, verse 21 of chapter 3, but now the righteousness of God without the law is being manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all them that, what? Believe, believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Jew and Gentile, and breaking this prejudice the Jews had against the Gentiles. It's all gone. <laughs> For all have sinned, every one of them and every one of us being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, <clears throat> whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. God set forth the Lord Jesus to be a satisfying propitiation, satisfying sacrifice. If we believe by faith in his blood, we are declared righteous by him. Have you been declared righteous before the Lord? In Luke 13, 3, Except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. <clears throat> In the book of Acts, chapter 17 and verse 30, we read, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Confess that you are a sinner and need salvation because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world. Repent and turn to the Lord. Believe by faith on the Lord Jesus. John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 7 and 9, we read there, <clears throat> Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And then the Lord continued, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Salvation. He shall be saved as you go through the door of the Lord Jesus and shall go in and out and find pastures. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, said Jesus that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Come by the door. Repent and believe. It's not a work. It's believing 
what has been done. Christ is the only door to eternal salvation. It says in John 11:25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And we're all dead in trespasses and sins, yet shall we live when we believe on the Lord Jesus. And the verse behind me, in which one word is wrong, I've been, it's been pointed out several times to me. If you want to pay for the new sign, uh, let me know. But him, there's an unsaved person that did it and he put him up in capital. The words are right. Jesus said unto him, small h, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Abraham believed. David believed. We need to believe on what the Lord has done. So <clears throat> the confusion of Israel about salvation, and they're still confused, there's the danger, the deception, the delusion, and the defiance. The defiance has to be broken. Our defiance, our resistance at saying no to God, that's not the right way. There must be a, there must be a catch to this. <laughs> you must be hoodwinking me. No, no, it's God's way or no way. There is no other way, is there? Don't be defiant. Don't dig your heels in and say, I'm not going to believe. It's to your eternal detriment. Look at its cost the Jews. As I said last week, the, the businessman that I talked to a week ago said, why haven't they done something with themselves? Why haven't they made something of themselves as a nation? Because they cried out, his blood be on us and our children. And his blood will be upon us if we do not believe that his blood paid for our sin. And we need to believe and don't defy that God is the, the Lord Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Believe, trust him. Let's close. Thank you, Lord, for your word of truth. Thank you for the way of righteousness made plain and clear in this book of Romans and others as well. That it's by faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again for our justification. And that work satisfies the holy demands of a righteous God. And then he can declare us righteous. Bless each person that comes to you. Maybe today there's a person convicted that they're trying to work their way to heaven. They'll never make it. And that they need to believe that. Lord, convict them by that, the truth of the word. They need to believe and trust and not try to behave and work. We behave because we're Christians, not to become Christians. Bless the word. Salvation might come to us all today, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>